Hey, real quick, before I get into today's short and I think a surprising conclusion to our series, Stretching, I want to say that you do not want to miss next week. Absolutely, you do not want to miss next week because next week, five different families and individuals are going to be sharing about their restoration experience. Uh, this is the perfect, absolute perfect Sunday to invite a friend or a coworker. If you or someone you know has ever wondered if the church is still relevant or if the church is actually accomplishing anything of significance, then this is the Sunday to come out to. And, and, and plus, you're going to have the added benefit of, uh, of me not preaching a whole lot, and so that's going to be an extra plus for you guys. Uh, five families are going to share their restoration experience, what life may have been like. They're going to imagine for us what life may have been like if Restoration Church never would have come into their life and the God that we serve, they would not have known. And so here's the thing. What I love about Nick's story, uh, this video that we just watched, what I love about Nick's story, among a lot of things, and what I think is so profound about his story is that he was blessed by limitation. He was blessed by limitation. It was his hardship that brought him closer to God, and it was his hardship that developed him in intimacy with God and gratitude towards God. And the hardship of his circumstance and the hardship of your circumstance is meant to bring you to a reliance and dependence on God and to draw you closer and trust with him. And so the hardship of your circumstance is meant to bring you closer to God and greater intimacy with God and greater trust in God. Because here's the thing. When life is easy and life is going well, there is a real and there is a powerful tendency to forget God and all he has accomplished on your behalf. And when we forget God, then we forget who we are and what we are called to And we forget that we are only human. We are only human because God's image resides in us and that we only give because God first gave to us and and we only love because he first loved us and we are only kind because of his kindness and we only forgive because he has first forgiven us and we are generous because he is generous. When life is easy, we tend to forget these things. We tend to forget who God is as we rely and we depend on our own abilities and our own strength. We forget who God is. And in this light, If you are a follower of Jesus, and by the way, if you are not a follower of Jesus, we are so excited that you're here, and we hope that you feel welcome and loved and encouraged here. But if you are a follower of Jesus, then your life should be one expression of gratitude after another, after another, after another, after another. If you follow Jesus, your life should be one giant expression of gratitude. Your behavior upon this earth is a giant response of thanksgiving to God for all he is and all he has done for you. And so our whole life can be summed up in one word, grateful. And every breath that we take can be summed up in one word, grateful. And here's the thing. If you threw a pebble onto a pile for every time that God was kind to you and every time that he forgave you and every time he loved you, you would be standing in front of a mountain of God's goodness. God is generous, my friends. God is kind God is loving. God is forgiving. God is generous. And so the surprising conclusion to our stretching series is this. The fuel that propels our generosity is gratitude. But the friend of gratitude is limitation. Because when you have everything you want and everything is accessible, when our houses are warm and there's food on our table and and life is easy and everything seems right in our world, then the tendency is to grow proud and to forget the source of our blessings. And so consider the Israelites. The book of Deuteronomy, by the way, if you have your scriptures, I would encourage you to open them up. Deuteronomy is the fifth book of the Bible, so it's early on. 
Uh, flip open to the beginning and work your way from there until you hit the book Deuteronomy. The book of De- Deuteronomy takes place 40 years after God liberated the Israelites from the Egyptians. And so for 40 years, God has been leading his people. He's been feeding them miraculously and providing for them. Uh, he's taking care of all of their needs. And it says in chapter 8 that God put them through hardship. He put them through hardship, the testing in the wilderness, the, the wilderness and the wanderings, the He put them through these hardships to see what was in their heart and to teach them the value of gratitude and to teach them the value of trust. And so we pick up at verse 6. It says this in Deuteronomy 8. Observe the Lord, I'm sorry, observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with streams and pools of water, with springs flowing in the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing. You will lack nothing. A land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. And so the reason God put his people through hardship was because he knew the hardship was about to end. He was giving them an incredible land where everything was already provided them. The wells were already dug. The crops were already planted. The cities were already built. Everything that they would ever need in life was before them, ready to be used. They lacked nothing. They lacked absolutely nothing. Everything that they desired, everything they wanted, everything that they needed in life was readily available to them. So it was kind of like God put a giant Target store right down in the middle of the promised land. And so, you know, we, we have these stores all around us, surrounding us, that provide us with everything that we need in life. And, and all we have to do is show up and pick this stuff off the shelves. And so, so we go to Target, we go to Walmart, we go to Giant, pick your store, whatever it may be. But we have all of these incredible blessings surrounding us. We literally lack nothing. Everything that we could desire is available to us. And, and it's beyond that. We don't even have to get out of our house. We could click a few buttons on our phone or on our computers and things will actually be delivered to us. It is a crazy world that we live in, my friends, but we lack nothing. So you ever thought about the work that goes in to putting one of these things on a, on a shelf at Target or to the, the work that goes in into having that thing delivered to your front door? Have you ever stopped and thought about the process that goes in? Consider a simple gallon of milk, for instance. Now, to get the plastic jug, petroleum is drilled. Uh, the petroleum is refined into various petrochemical products. Some of these products are put into high-temperature furnaces. A catalyst is then infused to make fluff. Fluff is infused with an additive. A polymer is then fed and melted, which is then broken into pellets. These pellets are melted and molded into plastic milk jugs. Now, in an entirely different factory, the same process is used to make the bottle caps. In a different factory, uh, the same process is used to make the labels. Here's the thing. We take the jug and we, we, uh, we just crumple it up and recycle it at the end of the day. And yet so much care and attention and such a lengthy process went into getting that simple jug into our hands. But here's the thing. The jug now needs to be filled. And so at a farm, cows are grazing and milked. The milk is put on refrigerated trucks and transported to a factory for testing. The milk is processed, pasteurized to kill bacteria, homogenized to distribute fat equally, skimmed to various fat levels. The milk is put on trucks and sent to a factory where it is put into those labeled jugs and shipped on trucks to your local grocery store where, they simp- where you simply pick it out of the cooler. But here's my th- thing, my friends. You didn't do any. Of that, you did not do anything. You simply showed up with your three dollars and fifty cents, and you bought your gallon of milk. See, the Israelites would lack 
nothing. We lack nothing. We are in such a good land. We lack nothing. Everything that we want and everything we dream is accessible at our fingertips. But the trouble with lacking nothing, the trouble with being self-sufficient and self-dependent is that pride begins to grow. And God knew this, and so he implores the Israelites that when they have eaten and are satisfied, to praise the Lord their God for the good land he has given them. To praise God, to be grateful, and to give thanks for the goodness of God, for the good land that he has given them. And so be grateful for what you have. Be grateful for God's goodness, and remember how he, how he is the one providing you. Because it is so easy to forget God amidst our abundance. And so there is a caution that comes with being comfortable. And it's this, Deuteronomy 8, verse 11. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase, and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud. Your heart will become proud, and you will forget the Lord your God. And isn't it true? <laughs> you know, for some reason, when, when life is good and trouble is far away and, and all around us blessings fall, we tend to become apathetic in our gratitude and dependence on God. We, <coughs> we somehow develop this, this twisted mentality that it was actually our strength that was the blessing. That we were the source of our blessing. That it was our hard work and it was, long, our, it was our long hours and, and our goodness and our strength and our talent that brought us to this place of blessing. And, and we were the ones who put in the hours. And so we should, we should give thanks to ourselves because we were the one who works hard. And we were the ones who uh, exhibit our talent in such a professional manner. And we were the ones who climbed that corporate ladder. And, and we get self-focused and we begin to actually forget that God is the source of these blessings. But the text says that we are not to forget that it was actually God who brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. It was God who led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He was the one who brought water out of the rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known. And he did this to humble you and to test you so that in the end it might go well with you. It was not your cunning plans. It was not your strategic warfare that liberated you from slavery. It was not your leadership that led you through the desert or your keen survival skills that evaded the snakes and scorpions. It was not your power that brought water from the rocks or made food fall from the sky. And so do not even dare to begin to say to yourself, it was my power, it was my strength, it was my hands that have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he, it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so he confirms his covenant. And so our relationship with God, this this covenant, our relationship with God, it is based on his grace. It is not based on our strength. It is based on his mercy, not on our goodness, not on our talent, not on our ability to produce wealth, not on our ability to climb the social and corporate ladder. It was God's mercy, it was his grace, it was his love that provided us this incredible opportunity. It is based on his goodness towards us. And in response to God's goodness towards us, gratitude must then be our response. And here's the thing, if there ever comes a time or a point in our lives where we begin to forget who God is, 
and what God has done for us because of our own wealth and our own advancement and our own promotion and our, and our own social standing, if we ever get to a point where we begin to forfeit humility for the sake of popularity or pride, and you begin to take ownership for your standing and your position, rather than thanking God and pr- proving our thanks through becoming generous and, and loving and caring, then we are treading down a very slippery slope towards our own ruin, my friends. A very slippery slope. And here's the thing. If you ever feel that creeping in, that self-dependency, that self-sufficiency, that, that pride creeping in, then we must increase our generosity. And the way that we increase our generosity is be, being intentionally limiting ourselves. You see, when everything seems right in the world, that is when you need to intentionally stretch and put yourself into a position that is less comfortable but more reliant on God. And so, you know, (laughs) over the last several years, Emily and I have had to make a lot of uh, adult decisions. Our house, uh, almost three years ago now, was one of those big adult decisions. We love our house, but it certainly has its limitations. And, and we remember, and I remember vividly this conversation that Emily and I were having about our house and the limitations that our house was going to provide us. And so when we were looking at our house and debating moving into it, we had to weigh a, a number of things. And the biggest limitation that we found in our house is that it only had one bathroom, and it still only has one bathroom. Now, at the time, we only had two kids. We, we, I'm sorry, we had two kids in diapers. So we were, we were like, you know, three people, one bathroom. That's not, a, that's not a big problem. But now, two years later, nobody is in diapers, and five people in one bathroom is beginning to create a couple of challenges. Now, some of you are thinking, man, I grew up in a house. I grew up in one of these ranchers. I know how it is. We only had one bathroom, and I had nine people in that. And so I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. 21st century, uh, first world problems. I get it. You know, we do not have anything to complain about, only to be grateful for. We live in a beautiful home in a beautiful area. We have so much to be grateful for, so I'm not complaining. But here's the thing. You know, we toured a lot of different houses with two bathrooms and three bathrooms, and we made an intentional decision to buy a house that only had one bathroom. Because the nature of our conversation back then when we were deciding uh, these things was that for the sake of our children, that we wanted to intentionally limit ourselves. You know, we we wanted to put our, our children and ourselves into a situation where they were not going to have everything that they wanted in life. That if they needed to go to the bathroom, that they were going to have to learn patience. And if they were in the bathroom and somebody had to use the bathroom, that they were going to have to learn to hustle up, that they were going to have to learn to care and sacrifice, that they weren't just going to be able to go down the hall to another bathroom, that this is going to be an intentional decision that we made, a context, an environment that we were going to force our family into to learn to stretch. You see, life was smooth. And everything was going right and, and falling into place. And we were so comfortable that we had to decide to get a little uncomfortable. Life was so comfortable that for the sake of our relationship with God and, and the sake of our humility and our dependence and our reliance on God and our gratitude towards God, we had to make a decision to get a little uncomfortable. And so we made an intentional decision to choose a house that wasn't going to give us everything that we wanted. We made a decision to get, to get into a house that was not going to give us everything we wanted. And here's the thing. Through this limitation, we have been able to give more away. A smaller mortgage payment with a smaller house helps with that, by the way. But we've also placed ourselves into a limiting environment which creates a dependence on God rather than self-reliance. 
You know, I was just thinking about this as I was mowing my lawn recently. Last summer, uh, when our, our lawnmower died, I had to go get a new one. And so I stood before the vast array of choices at Home Depot, and I was looking at all my options. And, and, you know, there were these four-wheel drive options with, uh, with self-propulsion and a push-button start. And basically, you push this button, and the lawnmower does all the work, and it mills itself, right? And so, but I had made an intentional decision to choose a lawnmower. I was looking at all these incredible lawnmowers. I'm like, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose, I make an intentional decision. Uh, to choose the lawnmower that doesn't have four-wheel drive, that doesn't have self-propulsion, that is a string start. And so if I'm going to mow this lawn, if this lawn is going to be cut, it's going to be cut by the sweat of my brow. I'm going to have to push that thing if it wants to be pushed. I made an intentional decision to limit myself. And so you might be asking, why in this day and age when so much is accessible and life can be so easy, would we make an intentional decision to limit ourselves? Why would we choose the harder route? Why would we do that? That's not the American way. That's not the way that we are taught. That's not the way our friends are doing things. Why would we choose to be uncomfortable? And the reason we choose to be uncomfortable, the, choosing, the reason we choose to limit ourselves is because when we have everything that we want, we no longer need God. And sometimes stretching and growing means cutting back and choosing the path that is least comfortable. Because when we have everything we want and everything that we think we need, then we no longer think that we need God. We're no longer dependent on God when we were self-dependent. We're no longer reliant on God when we were self-reliant. And if we ever get to the point where pride has crept up to the point where we ever feel like we do not need the God any longer, then we need to put ourselves through intentionally limiting situations. Because if you want to become a person more committed to loving God and doing, through, doing so through loving others, then you must become grateful. And the path to gratitude will always at least partially pass through limitation. I know this goes against everything America teaches us, but my challenge to you is to limit yourself so as never to become proud by your achievements and falling into the trap and belief that you no longer need God. Because when you foster that mentality, you forget the mountain of pebbles of his goodness you are standing before. When you foster the mentality that you no longer need God because you are self-reliant and you are self-dependent and this uh, life has been achieved because of your strength and your talent and your abilities, then you are going to forget the mountain of pebbles of God's goodness and God's grace and God's love and God's generosity and God's forgiveness and God's mercy and who God is, this mountain of his goodness that you are standing in front of. And my friends, this mountain is huge. God is so good to you. And so your life should be summed up in one giant act of gratitude for who God is is. I'm going to invite the band forward, and we're going to reflect on this for just a moment. You know, in Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, he mentioned comfortable, and uh, he mentioned being comfortable and proud in his ministry. And so while he was feeling this way, he began to be slandered and accused and tormented, and life seemed like it was taking a turn for the worse. And he called this a thorn in his flesh. And so life was going really smoothly and really well for a really long time. But then all of a sudden, something began to happen. All these people began to persecute him and insult him and slander him. And, and he felt this great opposition. And he called it a thorn in his flesh. And he pleaded with God to take this hardship away. God, this discomfort, please take it away. I don't want to be in this situation. God, take the hardship. Take the persecution away. Take the insults. I don't want to be in this context any longer. God, take them away. But here is what God says. And here is what God said to Paul. He said, My grace is sufficient for you, for it is in 
your weakness that my power is made perfect. It is in your hardship, it is in your persecution, it is in your reliance and your dependence on me that my power is made known. So here's the thing, my friends. God cannot work through your self-reliance. God cannot work through your self-dependence. God can only work through your weakness. God can only work through your hardships. God can only work through your struggle, and God can only work through your limitations. God cannot work through your self-reliance. He cannot work through your self-dependence. And so, my friends, if you are self-reliant and you are self-dependent, then you no longer need God, and so you need to intentionally limit yourself if you are in that place. See, Paul's conclusion was that discomfort and hardship, these are avenues for Christ's power to rest on us and to work through us, that somehow when we are self-sufficient, that God can't do anything with us or through us, that somehow we would never know the power of God if we knew no limitation. And listen to this, we would never know the power of God if we never knew limitation, and we would never need God's power if we were self-powered. Do you guys get that? We would never need God's power working through us if we were self-powered. We would never know God's power if we never knew limitation. And so Paul looked upon his weaknesses, and he looked upon the insults, and he looked upon the hardships, and he looked upon these persecutions, and the slanderous accusations, and the difficulties, and the limitations, and he said this, God, thank you. Thank you for the position of my limitation. Thank you for this discomfort. Thank you for this hardship. Thank you for this position that I am in because it is in this limitation, it is in this discomfort that I am made strong through your power. It is only in my weakness, it is only in my limitation, it is only in my discomfort that your power can be known through me. My friends, God cannot work through your limit. God cannot work through your self-dependence. He cannot work through your self-reliance. He can only work through your limitation. He can only work through your weakness. He can only work through your discomfort. And so, if you are proud this morning, if you think you got it all figured out, and your life is going smooth, and your life is going well, and everything seems right in the world, then my friends, the challenge to you this morning is to get a little uncomfortable. Stretch a little more. Get outside your comfort zone. Go serve somewhere that you've never served before. Start to give more money away. Start to do something that is going to make you uncomfortable because only in your, cell, in your reliance upon God can he work through you. And I want to be a community that is stretching. And so if we want to be a community that is stretching, we need to learn to be a grateful community, understanding that we are standing before a mountain of, of, of God's goodness, be grateful for all God has done, and then learn to be grateful for who God is and what he has accomplished through intentionally limiting, limiting ourselves if we feel like pride is beginning to slip in. Call it a night, 